This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by non-stick coated pans. The modern non-stick pan was created using a coating of Teflon, which is polythephylferithrin, or PTFE. PDFE was invented serendipitously by Roy Plunkett in... <laughs> Roy... Roy Plunkett? <laughs> This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is sponsored by Roy Plunkett. Thanks, Roy. <laughs> and now, on with the show. Uh. Say something. Are you giving up on me? No. Get your Welcome to the Good Ship Brothership. Episode foot's way over. Un- what episode is this going to be? This is going to be episode ten. Okay, so here's the thing: we recorded a couple episodes befe- before this. Before, um, but then we there was one episode before this. But there was a communication issue. We don't know whose fault it is. We're saying it's my fault because because it, it probably is to be because honest. I soak up punishment like a punishment sponge. Somebody's got to do it. I man. don't think it's my fault, but I'm just going to roll with it. It's all my fault. So next episode, those we're going to say it's episode 10, but it's going to be episode those 11. Those of you who know the two of us, you know what to think. It's not my... Whatever. I I communicated poorly at best, okay? <sighs> yes, definitely. And at worst, you lied on purpose to try and sabotage the, down, the success of this good ship because you want us to fail secretly. You want the ship to go down because that's... Some people just want to watch the world burn. I mean, some some people, Master Bruce. Okay, oh, that's. I mean, the fact of the matter is, typically, um, artists like ourselves only get big after we die, and I figure I don't want just to die while the show is going. So I'm gonna wrap up the show, and then, you know, if it all goes south from there, at least I'll know that we've done. On that, that. note, <laughs> let's begin On the, the show. show. Okay, dole out some of that cake, please. Okay. Uh, today, Mom and I baked some chocolate pudding cake, so that's what we're having hey, today. Hey, Ben, how's it going? <laughs> um, and then we have some uh, Key Moon tea as well, so we will have a uh, 9 p.m. feast. So what this means is that we'll just be talking or just for the whole... The pudding cake is so fantastic, though. Oh, man. It'll just be very hard to... I'm going to have to leave. Here, you take this. Actually, no. you have to leave? Well, I have to stop the music before it starts again. Well, I can stop and it. And then we'll be trapped. Hang on, I can forever. stop it. No, you can't. No! Okay. You don't know the sequence? I do. Oh, jeez. This is very sticky. Okay. Right, stop it. Oh, no! We need the script, too! Stop it. Jason. You're listening to the Good Ship Brothership, the only arts podcast that covers film, music, gaming, and literature, and... John Totoro. I'm Grant, and this is my sister, Jason. <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> I called him a girl, but he's a boy. Somebody help me. Oh, we're off to a great start, ladies and gentlemen. What are we talking about today? Oh, I need a... Uh, today... Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a special... Uh, <laughs> it's not... Uh, that wasn't that funny. I know, but that's why... That's why it okay. is funny. <laughs> so, today we're doing a little bit of a special episode. Um, sort of arbitrarily. Kendrick Lamar is an artist that we make no bones about uh, both being very fond of. And his new album, Damn, has come out about a... 
two, two weeks ago, maybe even three. maybe even came three out weeks ago. ago Friday. So today we're going to be talking about the music of Kendrick Lamar with an emphasis on his latest album, but we'll cover all of them. Let's flip the puppet anyway, because yeah. we're not actually talking about two. Can't we so what, chronologically? What we're kind of gonna well, that's the thing. But it just feels weird to go into the show without flipping okay. the puppet. So we'll flip the puppet um, over nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh. But basically, we're going to be going chronologically through his latest three albums. We're leaving out Untitled Unmastered because it's uh, mostly B-sides. It's not like a, as I uh, said, tent, it's not a tentpole release of his, which is a terrible phrase. And one day we should talk uh, about it, but yeah. I also don't have enough of an opinion on it because we, that's the only thing of his I'm not really familiar with. We haven't, well, that's the only of his recent works that you're not familiar with. But mm-hmm. um, So we're going to be talking about Good Kid, Mad City. Um... Uh, to Pimp a Butterfly and uh, Damn, his his latest release. And we should say, of course, if you don't like rap, if you don't like Kendrick Lamar, stick around nonetheless because we might be covering some uh, some ground that could be new to you. Uh, and I definitely, a couple years ago, foolishly judged rap music um, and cast it all out uh, of my purview because uh, Trevor McNevin was not in that scene. Trevor McNevin, lead singer of Thousand Foot Crutch. Th- Thousand Foot Crotch. We have to redact that? No. Crotch is a swear word in some circles. Just flip the puppet, man. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm looking up an article that might be If pertinent. the puppet's face up, then we'll high five. If it's face down, we'll hug. Okay, ready? Well, let's face up. Rip headphone users. Okay, so who so, wants to go first? Actually, what, that's what we could have flipped the puppet I, over. <laughs> Let me start. Fine. If I may. Sure. Because I have the whole disclaimer that maybe we don't need to talk about it anymore, but I, I like to include it because I feel like it's fair. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think it's important to note that Kendrick's music is a really like raw interpretation of his like kind of ghetto like Compton past. So like the subject matter, the lyrics are often shocking, profane, um, and descriptive of a lifestyle I would never back. That said, I really personally take no issue with that for a few reasons. First and most obvious, I don't really even have to say this. Um, it's art. You should be allowed to say whatever you want and express yourself however you want, even if people don't agree with it. Like that's, you just can't have censorship in art. It doesn't work that way. Um, and then also I think that if, if one wants an accurate representation of his upbringing and his past and what brought him to where he is today, like, this is how it's going to have to be. And I, personally, I wouldn't have it any other way. Even though I would never make an album like this, I have no issue. Well, that's because we're not able to make um, yeah. albums like this. Because the fact is, Kendrick's three, the three albums we're talking about are all very much journeys and unless you have a clear, well-defined starting point for a journey, whether it's spiritual or uh, career-based, um, unless you have an honest, solid starting point for the journey, then it's not going to mean a thing. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is um, the albums are very explicit in content. I would never fault you if that's off-putting to you. But I think if you're able I, to... I, I... I think if you're able to... It would behoove you to dig a little deeper to find the depth and, frankly, incredible meaning that lies beneath. I actually do take exception when people uh, 
completely dismiss an artist because of swearing or something like that because I think it's shallow and stupid and ignorant. Yeah. Um, that's not to say you necessarily have to endorse or use that kind of vernacular, but I think it's narrow-minded and stupid to dismiss. Yeah, and one that's of these fair. days I will write a opinion piece and read it on a show explaining yeah. my opinion, but today is not that day. Yeah, I mean, Jason, you've done a, a whole boatload of research. Is yeah. it research or research? Is that how it's research? Research. If you say research, I was going to say something that would be over the top. Um, so his first album was Good Kid, Mad City. Do you well, know what year that came that's out? That's actually okay. not his first album. Okay, Jason. I'm sorry. The first album of his we will be talking about today is what I meant to say. Good Kid, Mad City. Um, that came out in 1973? Yeah, 73, I think. 2012? I think it came... I was going to say... Uh, 2008, but you really don't have us pinned down. No, I'm sorry. We're off to a rough start. So, good kid, Jason's the one who's done all the, all the, uh... I have, like, a 1,000-word document here, and it's not even on the newest album. So... Snort. But Good Kid, Mad City is an album that I only got into recently. The first album of his I got into was To Pimp a Butterfly. 2012. Yeah, I was right. Um, and then, kind of in preparation for Damn... I got into Good Kid, Mad City to, to kind of understand his full modern journey, with the exception of Untitled, Unmastered. Um, apparently the album name means My Angels on Angel Dust. Well, okay, let's let's pull back for a second. MAD, in the title Good Kid, Mad City, is spelled as an acronym M-A-A-D. I was getting there. Well, you, you can't Sorry. say this is what the acronym means and then be like, Sorry. by the way... I thought acronym. Okay. Because then people be like, why didn't he say it's an acronym? I'm sorry. What it means. I'm an absolute lizard. I'm going to go bury my hand, head in the sand. You absolute lizard. So, yeah, it's Good Kid M-A-A-D City, which apparently stands for my angels on angel dust, meaning that in the hood, your best friends and past friends are either dead or on drugs, is what I heard when I looked it up. Um, at first, I wasn't sold on this album. It's the most, would you agree, it's the most conventional, like, hip-hop album out of the three. Oh, for sure. Um, sonically. And typically in the past, I haven't really connected with hip-hop, even though, I mean, I appreciate it's hugely influential and, and fantastic. But as time went on and I did digest the album more, I learned to really love it. I would still say it's my least favorite out of these three albums, but, I mean, it's still 99%. It's better than 99% of the music that's out there today. I just want to know, are we going to be trading blows on, like, all throughout this, or are you going to go through his first no, two? No, let's just and have a conversation. About... This is a different album. Wow. You want to jump in? You jump in. Wow. Go ahead, big dog. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, no, I'd say uh, Good Kid, Mad City as a starting point, kind of, I think, for Kendrick's really, I think it's his second, yeah, second studio album. So I, I think his first one, which was Section 80, I believe it was called. Um, and we have not listened to that. Yeah, I haven't even right. listened to a single song. But uh, Good Kid, Mad City really feels like a starting point. It's the story of his adolescence, his youth, his coming of age in uh, Compton, which is a gang uh, infested, or was at the time. It yeah. must still be. If Just south of Los Angeles. It's like a suburb almost. Yeah, a very black neighborhood. Um and it tells a story of his upbringing, his um, struggles with faith, uh, which some people I know I know I was very surprised to kind of like 
come to grips with that and uh, be faced with the fact that Kendrick Lamar, whether you like it or not, as if you are perhaps a Christian or um, profess that faith, uh, like it or not, the guy is kind of has intrinsically tied himself up with Christianity and God and Jesus. In not not I mean I don't mean in terms of you know delusions of that sort of thing or comparing himself, but he is for all for what I, from my vantage point he seems to be a Christian. Absolutely, of, of, an, of a very it. of a very fascinating nature. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what I trippingly have tried to say there is that this is a the story of his journey to faith, away from faith, back to faith. Uh, these are his relationships with his friends, people who he thought were his friends, uh, his um, interactions and encounters with mob and gang life and behavior, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's a wonderfully told narrative. It's kind of, this is something that always uh, uh, reaches out to me or stands out to me is how as a musician, as a writer... Do you stitch together a cohesive narrative throughout an album without just making it an opera? Yeah. Without having... And he's done this in a number of really, really elegant elegant ways on this album. Having uh, phone conversations between him, or one-sided phone conversations between him and, uh, I believe, his... I think it might be his actual parents. Um... I think it's actually them. Uh, Later on in this album, he has a conversation with an older black lady who is actually Maya Angelou, Mm. the acclaimed actor, actress, Um, excellent actress. Uh, And she leads him and his friends on the sinner's prayer Mm -hmm. at the end of the album. Um, So that, that's a really interesting, you know, you've always got the, uh, the uh, Pink Floyd, the wall method of reoccurring musical motif, elite motifs as they are referred to, and uh, and even repeated songs in an album. But Kendrick's model of literally lacing it together with bits of phone conversation mm-hmm. was a really uh, interesting one uh, that kind of continued the setting of the story as him romping through the streets. Yeah. Yes. What were you um, going to say? I want to read a couple paragraphs from this article um, that we had talked about just off the air a while ago. Because okay. we talk about weaving things together, and this talks about how he weaves his subject matter together. Um, and this is an article from Christianity Today, who I can't say I've ever read before, um, entitled Kendrick Lamar's Duel with Damnation. So it's not ours or anything, because a lot of times people watch us for those copyright strikes. Yep. So on ChristianityToday.com, they say, Kendrick, meanwhile, consistently envelops his narrative of hope and despair with overtly Christian language and theology. Good Kid Mad City, for instance, dealt with his salvation experience from the temptation streets of Compton, gang violence, drugs, money, and sex, to the faith in Christ, and to Pimp a Butterfly's funk, soul, and jazz vibe moods outline Kendrick's working through self-doubt, in anxiety, which? funk, soul, and jazz vibes, in which? To Pimp a Butterfly. I see. So we're, we've moved on. I said to Pimp Butterfly. No, I'm just reading through this quote about I, Okay, okay. Okay. What a and his personal there. failure to find hope and identity in God. And then it goes on to say, and I found this very interesting. Um, this guy analyzes like these gritty Christian artists, I guess you could call them. I don't know. I hate that term. 
They say that Kendrick combines a sacred, profane, and secular in a tightly woven social knot, which creates a type of nitty-gritty music in which the audience members are able to relate and engage. Um, As a hip-hop religion scholar Monica Miller notes, however, it's not a contradiction, it's life. Hip-hop is okay with complexity, it doesn't have to be either or. Oh, amen. And I think that's what we see in in his album, is he's like very honest about everything from his faith to like his like upbringing around like these gangbangers and stuff anybody can claim that god saved them yeah but only you can claim that god saved you from this you know yeah from your past from your struggles and that's the potency of this approach this slightly profane squirmy uncomfortable um approach these settings characters and activities Mm -hmm. that you know i don't think kendrick condones at all if you actually read through and listen through the entire album yeah i don't think he's ever condoned them i think he sees them as vacuous and hollow um temptations and and sinful ultimately uh but i think that um he presents them in an extremely honest you know, yeah. sort of way. And I that wouldn't have it any other way. Like, it's just so refreshing. If he didn't, there'd be no point. There's no juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. There's no struggle or honesty. Look at the time code. I don't think I'm going to say anything we'll have to cut. I'm pretty sure. I think we've gotten pretty good at this. But I'm going to say this because some people might not like this. But I feel like today, Christian music is full of over-sanitized... I already, frankly, I already know I'm not going to cut this. Frankly... <laughs> unauthentic music that's just not i appreciate that it helps people but i feel like it's not this honest representation or if it is it's only a representation of like the clean happy side well, the, or like the king's kaleidoscope the band got dropped from a number of christian festivals because they've got the f word in one of their songs and it's like if that's the kind of if a christian is somebody who goes running and crying because you know they don't like a word in a song and they can't you know cope with a band who you could i'm sure you could ask the band hey can you please not say that in concert we're gonna have young kids at this festival or hey can you please just drop that song from your set list and maybe the band would comply maybe the band would say i'm sorry you know we you know feel this strongly Mm -hmm. but to just ban that and to just act like that's not um a thing or that's not part of humanity it's just gross and it's this insular view that Christians and the church have themselves mm-hmm. where, oh, in order to be sacred, we cloister ourselves away. But in reality, like... That's never how it was. Or but how it was supposed no, that's to be. not what I'm going to say. But in reality, people engage so much with the secular, popular, mainstream. They're just... That's true. They're so... Ah, like, people, I guarantee you, pretty much everybody who's going to be at something like that, a festival like that, or is just christian in general doesn't solely listen to hymns and praise and worship music and has never sworn or like when somebody swears they don't go "Uh -uh, excuse me you know because that's just not Mm -hmm. life that's just not honest an honest depiction of life now if they had you know never mind this is crossing over too but here's the thing i'm sorry if anybody thought we were going to do like these really uh cohesive reviews of his albums and we'll do that a little bit when have we ever done that but this is a discussion of kendrick and the culture surrounding his music in general and i do think it's just important to say that we will get to a review of his new album in the second half of this program that like some of the stuff 
kind of bugs me. Like, wh- why is it all right for the community? Like, everyone watches Game of Thrones, exactly, a show that yes. has some of the most, like, some of the most, the highest sexual content of shows, or and, like Mad Men, or Mad or, Men. The, but no, as soon as you listen to this, like a secular rapper or something, it's like, oh man, nobody. Game of Thrones isn't giving anyone spiritual content. No. That said, yeah. That said, I know many Christian people who do listen to Kendrick. Of course. I'm just saying... It's not... Yeah. I'm talking about Christian pop culture, not individuals. There are some tulips Mm. who disagree, and uh, and that is their prerogative. However, my argument is more convincing, and it is better. I'd rather have a challenging album that... uh, is meaningful than some sanitized... And there is absolutely no arguing whether or not these albums are meaningful. And that, mm-hmm. I think, is the power. Yeah. So moving on from Good Kid, Mad City, which was this contained, much more um, flowing... Uh, not flowing, but much more linear narrative of Kendrick um, and his relationship with this girl and his relationship with his friends and his... Um, I don't know if it, it's actually completely autobiographical criminal activity yeah. and uh, gang interactions as well. Yeah, I mean, basically to sum up the album, it's his journey up to the point when he records the album, almost. Yes. And it's uh, set to a backdrop of much more much more conventional rap style, a lot of drum machine, a lot of synth sort of stuff. Um, I, I quite learned to enjoy the textures and the flavors of the album and the beats and whatnot yeah. are quite good especially um on songs like uh swimming pools oh my goodness the the chorus uh, i said this to you a while ago it's th- probably the only kendrick lamar song that that chorus is the only part that he's written that i'm like i wish i had written that verbatim yeah myself because the rest of it i mean he can have it it's rap it's hip hop yeah. not my domain but that i want that yeah, and I do think that Good Kid Mad City has, like, probably the best beats. Like, it's just, oh, man, like, backseat freestyle. Grant called me into the room for this song. And I'm, I'm not really actually a huge fan of that song. That's one of the weaker tracks, in my opinion. One but of the best tracks in Before my I had heard it, Grant called me into the room, and he's like, hey, you want to hear a hard beat? And then he just played it, and oh, I was man. like, man, that's the a hard, hard beat. The hardest yeah. beat oh, next goodness. to something else that we'll talk about later. Yeah. But my standout tracks from this album... Yeah. Would be Good Kid, the song, then the song The Art of Peer Pressure, and Swimming Pools. Those three are all fantastic. For, me, with, I, for me, I think I'd say Backseat Freestyle and uh, Swimming Pools, and then either Sing About Me, I'm Dying mm, of Thirst, or uh, or Mad City, I think it is. Yeah. Let me quickly scrub through this and try and find... Okay, that's fine. Is it... This is also such a good song. Are you going to turn up in here? I love that. That's such a typical, like... Yeah, this is it. Yeah. This this has got to be in my top three. Listen to that. And that actually puts me in mind, before we move on, like I said, we were going to five minutes ago, um, of ha- one of the other ways he uh, kind of weaves his narratives together is different voices. Yes. Um, and that kind of like wimpy, nerdy sounding voice that he adopted yeah. there is like young Kendrick mm-hmm. in first person. And I think that's genius. And that's one yeah. of those things that's, 
I'm like, I wish that my music uh, slash brain allowed me to think of things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, let's leave Good Kid Mad City yeah. back in 2012 and move ahead to 2015 to, uh, to Pimp a Butterfly, which is the album that you and I both approached first, first yeah. out of the Kendrick Lamar canon, much like all white millennial <laughs> men. Yeah. Um, and we listened to it and we were like, geez, I, my street, street, my street crit, my street, I'm sweet. And anyway. that's how we got shot in the back alleyway yeah. out back of uh, Whoa. Starbucks. Whoa. Anyway. <laughs> Was that too much? I don't know. Let's, even... let's remove that. No, I'm not removing no? it. Okay. No, okay. You gotta be confident in your words, young man. I'm not. I'm not redacting anything okay. anymore. To Pimp a Butterfly... Coming off Good Kid, Mad City, I, and again, I wish I had been listening to Kendrick Lamar when To Pimp a Butterfly dropped, because that was one of the albums that I missed. I missed the buzz, I missed the initial rush of excitement for it, but I was on the sidelines mm-hmm. hearing about it. Aaron Soch, our producer, excellent friend. Not our producer. Your producer. Band's, band's producer. Yeah, not for the, the band's. Okay, can you not put your feet, like, right underneath my body? Thank you. Um... Ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea what I put up with. Um, Aaron Soch uh, ranted and raved about it at the time, uh, and I definitely ignored him. But anyway, moving on from the kind of closed personal backstory narrative of Good Kid Mad City, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly explodes outward Mm -hmm. to touch on um, the fringes of politics, but a lot of capitalism, greed, fame. This is an album that's soaked in Kendrick Lamar's newfound fame. And he's grappling with it. He's trying to understand it. He's trying to look at it from a distance uh, while simultaneously living inside of it. It's broad and it's sweeping and it's less narratively direct than his previous release. But I think it still has a strong, like a very strong, coherent narrative. Not nearly the same as we were at my house, then we went That's down true. the street to my brother's house, or uh-huh. to my buddy's house, and then we... Uh, it's a lot more... The story's there to guide and funnel the topic and mm. provide a foundation to it. And it does that very well. His use of a, an unfolding poem, which he, he recites... Oh my goodness. He adds lines onto it and comes back to it throughout the album is like just one of the most ingenious devices that's really ever been committed to an album. I, I was think. just going to say it's I think it's one of the most like quote unquote innovative things in an album yep. that I've heard in like decades. Now, to to touch on the just upfront storefront stylistics of, of the album. Oh. I really can't talk today. Me neither. Like, I haven't been I'm able so to talk all day. I'm so glad we're making a podcast. Yeah, I'm so glad this is going to be recorded forever. Um, so coming off of Good Kid, Mad City, going to, to Pimp a Butterfly, I hate it when somebody begins a title of anything mm-hmm. with a preposition. Who, who would do that to a band or anything? That's an article, but I mean. Um, is to a preposition? It is, isn't it? No, a preposition is like from. Yeah. Well, maybe. So two is then. I'll Google it. Keep talking. I'll Google Uh, it. We need to know. (laughs) So, To Pimp a Butterfly is a radical departure from his previous uh, offering. 
but I can't. I looking back, I can't believe that he pulled off the radical departure that he did without people going, "Oh, come on, man! Like we yeah. see you, we know it's still you hiding behind those bushes of of funky jazz." And so this whole album pretty much is live band mm-hmm. um, jazz coming out your ears, but still hip hop and crazy. Oh like, man, it's such music, a beautiful blend. Oh, and man. the music of this album is far surpasses, I think, anything he's done. Mm-hmm. Slight spoilers to the encroaching uh, discussion on his new album. But anyway, live band, there's crazy piano weaving in and out. Mm-hmm. On the opening track, Wesley's Theory, uh, Thundercat, a bassist slash producer slash musician, does, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this right now, my favorite bass ever recorded with this wicked, like, filtered yeah. wub, wub, wub kind of it's just and he's scatting all over mm-hmm. the place with a bass who does aside from john entwistle who's done that and and with a, a just a deep subterranean bass synth underneath it amazing you got saxophones you got big band stuff you got ridiculous like i said <laughs> the thelonious monk oscar peterson mm-hmm. almost styled frenetic jazz pacing of for free um the album is much broader but still retains the depth of the original one mm-hmm. and i think it still has to be my favorite because as i'm talking about it i realize again how much i love it now here's the thing oh, that no. i'll just start with my review i tried i thought for a long time because i normally do pros cons whatever there is literally nothing bad i could think of to say about this album this is one of my favorite albums of all time. Unless there's something I forgot about that was fantastic, I don't think we've ever talked about an album that I liked as much as this one. Yeah. Um, by the way, two is a preposition. I'm just going to throw that in there. Preposition? Yeah. What did um, I say? No, you, you thought it was a preposition. I said preposition? I think so. <laughs> um, Your boy still got it! <laughs> but to Pimp a Butterfly, just to contrast it to Good Kid Mad City, is less track-based and more focused on on the the album as a whole for instance there are a couple like the for sale interludes like you wouldn't be like you know man hook that up i want to listen to that is that what they say hook that up man yeah hook it up wire me in yeah wire me in cyborg yeah so there are tracks like that bring me my hoverboard (laughs) write down that timestamp um but there are definitely tracks that are just to get you from point a to b but i love that about it like grant said how he repeats this poem um is just incredibly powerful and makes me like really emotional when i hear like throughout the whole the whole album this is a perfect example against what we normally talk about usually we talk about how albums should be shorter like uh, oftentimes a 10 track album is perfect this album is 16 tracks and like 78 minutes long but however I think that this album is such that you don't think of it as you're listening to it as being this mammoth. Like, again, to go back to the, uh, the in my opinion, the father of the concept album, The Wall. Yeah. Um, that's a huge, that's a Didn't mammoth. did Quadrophenia come out first? Quadrophenia? Maybe. But I think The Wall is way better. Okay. It perfected that form. 
but the wall is a massive. I can't. I think it might be twenty six tracks. So yeah. a ten track, another album tacked onto this. That's big. That's massive. That's excessive. It's amazing. It's one of my. But it's only about top ten minutes longer, right? Albums of all time. I don't. I don't think so. I think it's quite a bit longer. I think it's over two hours. Um, but uh, I could be completely wrong. Um, but to pimp a butterfly does um, only have probably ten or twelve songs, and I put that in heavy mm-hmm. uh, quotation marks. And then the others are kind of flowing, easing, swooping to and fro these uh, larger ideas. So I googled how long is the wall by Pink Floyd, and you know how Google has functions where it'll tell you stuff. So I'm not lying. Sure. I'll show this to you. It says the wall album length, and then it just says two thousand three hundred sixty-two. That's a long. But it doesn't album. say what. That's a I don't long know what. album. We're really That's a off long track. Thing. I feel like I We're just not don't off track. Okay, I guess. I'm just I'm talking trying about to find concept out. albums. I'm just trying to find out how the running is. time to Pimp That's Butterfly. Um, Kendrick Lamar's third studio LP. Also, um, I would definitely say that <sighs> Two Pimp Butterfly is my favorite concept album since The Wall. And even then, honestly, I think it's a bit of a toss-up for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I put down here where Mad, Good Kid, Mad City, is a story of Kendrick's upbringing... To Pimp a Butterfly is the story of his rise to fame, subsequent disillusionment, and finally his return to glory and his return to his roots. Like, he goes back to Compton. Um, Yeah, musically, the album definitely stands out for me way more because of its jazz elements. It's just more something I connect with, so it has an inherent advantage. And it just Um, really serves the album. And the album is so diverse. There's everything from... King Kunta, which is like basically straight up hip hop, as far as I know. Like I said, Very I'm not a so. huge hip hop person. To the last track, Mortal Man, which has this cut up interview with Tupac. Yeah, that's it. a wild thing, yeah. isn't it? And so, like the album, like this album has parts of interviews with Tupac. Like it's just like so. Basically, Kendrick Lamar went in, edited out an interviewer yeah. from an interview with Tupac, and then inserted himself in it. And you'd you'd never know. And it's a but once you do know, it makes it even more awe-inspiring and moving. Yeah. Because it's like he's seeking advice from, you know, somebody who's already passed on. I don't know. It's just this weird reaching back through time, seeking advice, uh, one generation reaching out to another. Uh, it's It really is, a like, a amazing conclusion to that album. And I think that... You know, it's not something I listen to every time I fire up that album, but when I listen to that album from start to finish, it's one of the best closers and one the most unconventional mm-hmm. album closer I think I've ever heard. An interview? Yeah. Who does that? You know, normally you save your lighter waiver for the <laughs> yeah. end of the album, and there's nothing wrong with that, but th- this is more impressive and more interesting. Oh, and can I say... There's something else um, I want to say. Now we're kind of in the middle... As a general statement for all of his albums, I never noticed this till I was making the notes. And see if you agree with this. I would say all three of his albums are not in the least bit front-end loaded. And that's, like, rarer than it sounds. Even a lot of great albums that I like have most of their best tracks at the beginning. Yeah. But because of his narrative nature instead of song-based nature, I think he spreads them out. And I don't think any of the albums are, like, you listen to the first half. You know, how they're... There are albums. I would even say you were just on Boxer by I'm the National. Through the National. I might say that even with Boxer, which is a fantastic album, you listen to like the front half and then the back half. High Violet, front half, though, front to back, 
Look at that. It ends on Vander Lyle Crybaby Geeks and Conversation 16. We should do Music of the Nationals. Holy snack. Anyway, Anyways, that's yeah. completely neither here nor there. So, my standout <laughs> tracks. Are, are you, like, finished with your thoughts? I would say this album is I think so. a, as perfect as an album can be, in my mind. Um, I guess we both share a mutual, like, meh for uh, the song Complexion. Is like yeah. well, complexion and uh, what's the other one that I kind of am like, you know what? Institutionalized. I'm not, I just I'm don't just like that guy's on. voice. Whoever um, that high squeaky dude is. Yeah. So I mean, it's certainly not like perfect, but I don't know. Show me a better album, and you'll show me a masterpiece, right? Um, my standout tracks are "How Much a Dollar Cost," "Black of the Berry," and "King Kunta." And Although a shout out to Mortal Man, just because it's so Mortal Man is amazing. Mine's definitely Wesley's theory oh, coming so right in off the top. Yeah, amazing! What a great way to start um, off the album. And as I listen to Kendrick Lamar's albums as well, if you want to listen to any of these, I'd probably recommend starting with. Actually, no. We're, I haven't. We're, we're I haven't. Gonna... No, we'll get to that yeah, because we'll to I that. also have an opinion on yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but if you if you listen to the album. If you listen to one of his albums and you don't like it, set a timer in your phone for like two months from when you first listen to it. Come back to it and listen to it again. I wrote down here and I skipped over it and I'm so glad you said this. I was first introduced to this album around a year and a half ago. And like I had heard the whole thing kind of thing. By me. By Grant. By dad. Wow, thanks. Hey, no sweat, man. Unironically. It took me at least a year before I fully appreciate it. Like, I liked it beforehand. I never disliked it. But the album has progressively grown on me for over a year. And I think that's kind of the sign of a it's safe fantastic to say, album. Both the albums we talked about are, like, glowing, um, immovable pillars of classicness. And I think we might be about to talk about a third one. We'll um, yeah, okay. So my, my top three songs off to Pippa Butterfly are Wesley's Theory, uh... Uh, the Black of the Berry and maybe Hood Politics. The track I is also Hood really politics. good. Hood Politics. All right, dish me up some coffee, waiter. I'm gonna get some pudding There's cake. There's no coffee here. <laughs> the pudding cake has coffee. Strongo beepus. And uh, let's move on to the last one. Jason's brought down all of our uh, victuals on a huge crusty cookie sheet for some reason. No, that's a like a. That's just how we roll down here. Well, it's because it had more thermal insulation than the other stuff, and in, it's bigger. In the boiler room. <laughs> we know what we should do. What? Uh, the Good Ship Brothership 100 subscribers special live from the furnace room. And, and just, just like, move our episode to the furnace room on the other side of the basement. The water pump comes on. It's like... It would probably be more enlightening than our podcast. Oakley Doakley, Peppas Man. Should we flip the puppet and... Um, determine who's going to go first for their yeah. album review. And uh, note the time code, because we'll put it so at the beginning, like... 40 minutes. Hello. It'll be 40... That's what I always do, man. You just aren't are unaware of what I put into this, al- into this album. Jeez. Wait, I gotta redo that, because... So, if it's eyes up, you go <sighs> Ladies first. Ladies and gentlemen. If it's eyes down, I go first. Can this you is what that? we've... Jason's kick. football kicking. Here's, here's the kick. A finger puppet. It's landed behind me, but I'm not turning to look at it because I it's don't care. It's eyes up. That means you go first. That means right? I go. That's what you just said, bud. Yeah, I just okay, so up. damn by Kendrick Lamar. This was um, 
probably for me the most memorable release of an album in my life, and I know it's gonna stick with no. me forever. Jason, you really? can't tell. You can't I'm just tell a man. I'm just amazed. Why have you taken my CD? I want to write down my standout tracks because I haven't done that yet, but I did for the others. You are aware that you can Google it, and now that I don't have it, I'm completely thrown off. Oh, thanks for bumping my pop. Anyway. Thanks um, for ruining my life, yeah, Dad. Thanks for coming into my life four years after everything was great. Um, <laughs> Jason and I are four years apart. You can guess which one's older by the mustache. This is mustaches. Anyway, jeez. Uh, no. Keep it together, Andrews. Um, <laughs> I think this is my most memorable album release, and it's forever going to be a very special one just because of the events that transpired. Mm-hmm. Uh, the album was released at midnight on Good Friday, um, which fell on a Friday this year. Imagine that, the serendipity of it all. Uh, and uh, I was working that Thursday night, Late shift, as I do, my coworker Adam, shout out to you, baby, if you're listening, which you're probably not, uh, who also is a huge Kendrick Lamar uh, fan, and I were working, uh, and it was going to be a later night, so we decided to ask the supervisor if we could stay behind, play pool, and stream this album off of Adam's I'm, uh, Apple Music, I'm Music, uh, and play play pool, like I said. And so that's what we did, and it was just a really cool uh, experience to to listen to an album like that for the first time right after it had come out with somebody who also loved that artist, and just, I don't know, it was just a really cool experience, you know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. So, Damn, the album by Kendrick Lamar. Let me just start off by saying... This is by far the ugliest album cover he has ever done. And it was I know, off to such a bad start. I know you and I both agree on this, but the album cover, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's Kendrick Lamar looking um, kind of zombie-ish, really. Uh-huh. He's got a weird glazed look on his face. He's kind of looking down. He's wearing a white t-shirt. Uh, he's backed by a red brick wall, and uh, the album title, Damn, is in massive block capitals across the top of his head, and then it's ended with a period and the period is cut off by the edge of the album and i don't know if i'm sure he has some sort of artistic reason for doing that but it's not an artistic cover but it 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 is something that will drive the uh the uh ocd minded people out there quite crazy and i'm aware that i just opened a pandora's box by invoking an actual disorder Blah, 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 get a life. Anyway, so on first, the album the album begins with this really weird uh, spaced out kind of slow jam with an old-fashioned rap beat behind it. And then Kendrick comes in in his kind of nasally, nasally voice that he has. And he begins narrating this story about how he bumped into a blind woman while he was walking down the street the other day. And... Uh, she that encounter kind of sends him on this journey of self-reflection, uh, self-discovery, and spiritual renewal. Is that a good cap recap? Yeah, I think so. Um, she tells him that he has lost his life. Yeah, is the and so then he and then, sets out on a journey to find yeah. it. Yeah. Um, 
I think this album is easily Kendrick Lamar's most personal album that he's made thus far. Hmm. In so much as it doesn't venture very far out of his personal sphere, his mind, his heart and soul kind of thing. And his reflections upon himself. I would say that, uh, I guess, also, you, I got, you know what, just shut up for now. You know what, Jason? That's, I'm listening to the people. The people say shut up. <laughs> I'm just, let me just, I'll, that's very rude. So are you. Go ahead. I'm going to... Let me just shoot through my review, and then you can come back in. Okay? I I think it's his most personal. I think it's the most um, overtly spiritual with track titles like Lust, Love, Feel, Pride, Humble. It's all about his spiritual grapplings with, again, his fame. But I think it's... It really is different. It feels very different from the similar themes of To Pimp a Butterfly um, in that he's not going, he's not making sweeping statements or gestures about America or politics or capitalism or the, the African-American people in general. He's, it's, this is an inward facing album, I think, for the most part. And there are some exceptions. And yes, he does speak somewhat about you know hood hood things and doings and he does speak a little bit on african-american culture but for the most part it's how those things relate to him and to his journey uh the style of the album has is stuck hung up in between that absolutely complete very almost retro-minded Sound the the cool retro synths and beatbox of uh, Good Kid, Mad City, and the wild jazz infusion of um, Butterfly. And I like the styling of this album quite a bit. It feels more mellow. It feels more laid back. It feels more melodic, and much more stripped down and contained and focused. Musically speaking, the music has taken a back seat. Uh-huh. In this album. Um, and not necessarily at all in a bad way. I think the tracks are all still musically compelling and diverse, as you'd come to expect. Um, but the the narrative thrust is not really aided by that, by the music, by the, by the instrumentation of each track. Yeah. He does a few songs on this track in that kind of whiny... I'm Drake and I'm singing a song. I sound like Bob Dylan. That's it, he doesn't. Well, Bob sound Dylan like Bob sounds Dylan. a lot like Drake. Yeah, that's true. I get the two of them confused on my playlist, but he does that. Everybody knows. I can't even the high day. and it's just like, are you singing? Are you speaking? Can you do either? The answer is, you know, no. You're Drake. <laughs> so what does this have to do with Kendrick? He does that. Does he throughout the album? When? Yeah. Have you heard the song "Yeah"? Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. All throughout, yeah. all throughout the album, he he does the kind of um, Drake singing thing. Now, Drake sounds yeah, stupid true. when he does it because Drake singing "I Call You on the Hotline Bling" that can only mean one thing. Ever and since I left the city, you 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 got a reputation for, and he's not singing anything that means anything, and his melody sucks. 
and the song sounds anemic and, and stupid. And he kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick pulls it off to a much greater degree mm-hmm. than Drake ever could dream of doing because his lyrics are interesting, the melodies that he's singing are interesting, and the lyrics are interesting. You know, wow, what a novel concept. Uh, it, the, so yeah, I, I found the, the sound to be amazingly fresh and um, and interesting, and I can't believe that he's pulled that off, you know, yeah. coming from... Rap and hip-hop has such a set parameter, you'd think, mm-hmm. of sounds and stuff. There's some stuff that even sounded a little bit to me, and I'm listening to with to this for the first time with Adam, who's a massive Mac DeMarco fan. Some of this stuff actually sounds like that laid-back, verging-on stoner mellowness yeah. that Mac DeMarco does. And I love that. I love that Kendrick Lamar actually took that into the rap-hip-hop sphere. Now, my one detraction, really, my one critique, my the one track that no matter how hard I try, I listen to it and I just snicker, is the track, uh, the second last one called God. And it's just, I, he's doing these weird noises, like what I do when I speak on this show. Uh, he, and the main refrain is like, this is what God feel like, huh? And then he makes like this goose sound Like all throughout the song And I'm just I can't I'm like Kendrick I love you so dearly brother But what are you doing But that That's a small gripe I consider it To listen to one song And go Er Like this is really not my cup of tea As it were I have no But um But that is literally the only song On this album that I dislike Now Let's Let's broach the issue of U2. U2, when this album was um, first released, have a feature on the song XXX. And uh, that made everybody nervous. It raised a lot of hackles. It made me nervous as a, you know... As a massive U2 fan. But we have sort of a love-hate relationship with U2. I do. As much I ha- as we love I have him. a realistic love for yeah. them. I have an unabashed, unrelenting love for three of their albums, which I think are yeah. masterpieces and pillars of music and art. Get your feet away from me. My legs are long. Yeah, but you're I'm also you're reclining. <laughs> you're literally reclining. Heaven forbid I relax on my own. Yeah, I don't want show. you relaxing at all. So anyway, I was nervous about the U2 thing. Everybody was, I think. Wow! They, the boys did it! From the get-go, from the first uh, lines that uh, Kendrick raps on XXX, it sounds like... Do you want to play some of it? Uh, yeah, I guess we can play a bit of it. Holy heck, it'd you be... Continue oh, jeez, okay. Uh, it sounds like a an excerpt and a good one from Pop, which is my favorite U2 album. Um, let me just try and find. Even that sounds like something Bono would have written. Yeah. So we'll just listen to this for a bit. Love this song. And those like corny but amazing record scratches. And the. And just the way that um, K- 
Kendrick singing with that low, monotonous kind of thing sounds so much like Bono off pop, and immediately my heart just leapt in my bosom. And throughout there, the beat gets way harder, yeah. and I was like, huh. And then Bono comes in. And I do think Bono takes the notch of the, the song down a couple notches. Really? I think he's... I don't think he fits that well into the song, <laughs> his singing. I, I it, it took me out of the... Because it's Bono. Like, Bono, what are you doing here? And of course, Bono, being Bono, for vanity's sake, probably really wanted to be singing on the biggest rapper in the world's album. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. I don't think it works that well. What I would love to have seen... Or C, I mean, who knows, is like an Edge and Larry Mullen Jr. and maybe Adam Clayton produced uh, Kendrick Lamar EP or something like that. Because Man Alive is the Edge ever for a middle-aged Irish white guy. Man, is he good at making a hard beat. Does he produce it? Well, I don't know that for sure. Um, But all, all of the members of the band have credits. He didn't produce it, I don't think. I'm just looking at that. I can get out my liner notes too, man. Also, I bought the CD. CD's quite nice. Took uh, it forever to come. Well, that was Amazon's fault, and I think my fault too. I think it was a little stupid. The liner notes are very spare. Of course, they don't have lyrics in them. Like Kendrick never has lyrics in his liner notes, but they do have all the all the uh, all the information I need. Produced by Mike Will made it and DJ Donnie and Soundwave and Anthony Top God. Top top dog, Tiffith. Additional keys by Kendrick Lamar. Good job, Kendrick. But anyway, um, XXX, super cool. I can't believe that you two actually did as good of a job as they did. <laughs> and then, um, uh, I guess to cap this off, I'll just cite my experience with Humble. Uh, his first lead single that was included on the album because he released the hard part four, but that's not on the album, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when we first heard Humble and we released a knee jerk, so if you're if you can't remember what my exact position on it was at the time, like me, uh, you can go back and listen to it. But I wasn't that sold on Humble. Yeah. At first, I listened to it, you know, three, four, five times. It sounded slightly. It, it just uh, sounded like not as a cop out. Seems too harsh, but like. A it's just bit. it's just yeah. not as rappy. It's not as hard edged as I think I had hoped. Um, but the night when this album came out, myself and Adam playing pool, listening to it, and uh, that song is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth yeah. in the album. When it when it finally came turn time for that song to play. I fell in love with it in a really yeah. weird way. And it was, it fell right into place in the track listing and in the perspective of the album and completely changed my mind on it, which is something I've never had happen to me before hmm. with any song on any album ever. So that was a super interesting experience for me. My top three tracks to end it all off would be DNA, obviously, that's probably like everybody's favorite song, Lust, which is an unreal song. Even including the Donald Trump pot shot, which I wasn't, you know, but whatever. It's just a great song. And uh, XXX. Just for the fact that you two pulled off. Um, I can't see what you want me. He's just holding up his. My three standout tracks are Lust, XXX, and DNA. 
that I have written down here. Well, this is awkward. My top three <laughs> tracks are not DNA Lust or XXX. They're we wrote down the different. exact same Stop standard copying tracks. me. I but wrote also, down first. as you can see right here in brackets, I have Love as my uh, yeah, that's a good one. As my honorable mention. Now, uh, I think I've. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Okay, go, go. So um, swing for the bushes. When I first started listening to Damn, I was just incredibly excited because I was like, "This is exactly what I want." And um, I think, was it 2015 that was just such a disappointing year for music? Like Switchfoot released a disappointing album, Our Lady Peace released a disappointing album, Coldplay released a disappointing Kendrick album. Kendrick Lamar released To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, but I'm saying three artists, I, Coldplay, Our Lady Peace, and uh, Switchfoot, all of whom we loved, all released like really bad albums. Really wimpy, cop-out, anemic pieces of crap. Yeah. So I'm still kind of riding on a wave of disappointment, and I'm inherently distrustful of any album that comes out from an artist I like. But this album did not disappoint me. I would say it is... I'm not peeing. I would say it's... Okay, thanks. I was wondering. everybody could hear that. I didn't want to point it out, but... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not peeing! Uh, I would say I like it more than Good Kid Mad City, but right now less than To Pimp a Butterfly. But I put down here, given the fact that it took me some weeks to warm up to Good Kid Mad City and months and months to warm up to To Pimp a Butterfly... I mean, who knows where this will be in a few months. So it'd be kind of fun to revisit. That said, though, maybe it's my taste changing, but I think it's more than that. I think it's the album. This album grew on me so much quicker. I immediately heard it yeah, and same. loved it. And I think it's a way more accessible album. And I say that as a huge compliment. I don't think music has to be accessible, but I feel like a lot of times people use that as a as like a version of uh, like watered down or mainstream. I don't think that at all. I just think it's more universally palatable. I completely forgot to mention, uh, but and I mean this in the best way possible, and I know you'll agree with me, this album is way more a collection of songs. There are really almost no segue tracks in the entire album. I mean, the first song is a segue track. I said there are almost no. Yeah. I didn't say there were none, Jason. Let's... Listen also, to each while other. we're airing but, grievances, but anyway, that's just why funny. is it that for your whole review I can't interrupt you, and then within the first minute of my Be review, because you I had me. already, you were about to do your review, and I was doing mine, so I thought, okay. you know what, you I can see. save your, so you don't taint me with your witchy witchcraft, and now you that and your it's taint, your man. time, you've tainted me, sir. I was an angel before you entered man. the scene. You just won't stop talking. Anyway, anyways, Jason, let's not. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> Now that my review's over, I just wanted to add a postscript onto it and say this album's more, much more of a collection of songs. It's not an operatic movement, and I love it for that. And you know what, buddy? Feel free to chip in whenever you have something to say. I value your opinion. Have some tea. <laughs> <laughs> he just spat. No, 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 no. Okay. Let's keep okay. that between you and me. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that after. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry it's come to this. I'm so... This is um, not unraveling how I'd hoped. I think To Pimp Butterfly was from... Okay, let me try again. I'm just... A little, <laughs> I'm a little bit frazzled. <laughs> Due to circumstances beyond my control. <laughs> when you're frazzled, you just remind me of okay. like a used eraser. I'm back now. So I think To Pimp Butterfly is about black culture in general. 
And then I think going back to Good Kid Mad City, it's about Kendrick from the outside. So his like youth experiences, his friend group, things that an observer would see. Yes. I think to contrast that, Damn is very much also about Kendrick, but from the inside, the things that only he would see That's and what know. what I said. We agree. Brother. And I would also like to throw out that I think, let me just make sure I got the order right, Lust, Love, and XXX is one of the best, like, one, two, three combos for songs that Wait, I've heard what? in a long time. Love. They're not. Lust, Love, XXX. Oh, man, they are all in a Yeah. Row. And every time I would hear the album, oh, so, so what I would do is I would go down to my PC, play a game with the volume muted. Yeah. And listen to the whole album front to back. And I did this uh, I did this every day for like four or five days. And every time when I would get to the first one of those, I would just be so excited to listen to the three of them. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of... I already said this album's the most accessible, so I think it also goes along with that. I think if you want to get into Kendrick, this is the best place to start. That's exactly what I was going to say. High five, brother shit! And what I would do from there is I would actually work backwards. I would go to To Pimp a Butterfly yeah. next and then Good Kid Mad City. Yeah, that's not a bad Because idea. I feel like that way you get context moving forward and you open your view up about him as you go. <sighs> Excuse me. <laughs> that was a really big burp. <laughs> you stifled that well, my yeah, son. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think this is the, the album that I could listen to when I'm in the, the widest variety of moods and enjoy. It's yeah. way more chill than his other albums. Way more chill, like you said, more song-driven, which I don't dislike, while still being a concept album, unequivocally. Yeah, oh yeah. It's still his journey. Um, and it, it really makes you wonder how many more, like, all three of these have been fantastic, and they've all been journeys that he's gone on. Like, how, how long can he keep this up? Now, I could be completely out of base, and this will probably end up being something I'll completely regret saying. But I can't really think of an artist who's released three sequential albums that were this good. Not counting, uh, of course, Untitled Unmastered, which is demos and B-sides. It doesn't count. Yeah, that's... We should... But uh, these three albums... We'll talk about this later, probably yeah. on our own time. But these three sequentially released albums could be the three best sequentially released hmm. albums of any artist. He is... Old Coldplay is up there, but not as good. No, but X, but X, it dropped off at X and Y. Or yeah, well, I'm just saying like uh, Rush of Blood of the Head. No, and par- parachutes, parachutes, Rush of Blood of the Head, head X and Y. But X and Y. But yeah, they're weaker. not they're not as good. Um, Jeez, I don't know. He, yeah. Kendrick Lamar, the best way I can put it, the guy is the black hip hop rap equivalent of David Bowie. Constant yeah. reinventions, reinvigoration, retooling. Yeah. Continue in your review. I didn't mean to hide. Okay. That. So. Again, I'm just going to address this briefly. The album cover is so bad, and it honestly takes away from the album for me, because I feel like that's part of the experience. And if you look at um, his two singles music videos, which were DNA and uh, Humble, they're beautifully shot. They're gorgeous. Take literally any frame from either of those music videos and just slap it on the cover, and it would have been so much better than this. Well, to be fair... Um, I don't think that it's like, I don't think it detracts from the album. I think there are certain, I think it's the weakest of his covers, but let's look here. I love the other covers. Good Kid Mad City. So throughout Good Kid Mad City, the cover of my version of Good Kid Mad City, I know some of them are like his dad holding him as a baby. 
mine is a minivan on a street. And one of the leading... I think most of the story in Good Kid, Mad City actually takes place in that minivan. Yeah. He borrows his mom's minivan and goes out and hang out with his friends. And box. see uh, his girlfriend, Shireen, Shireen, a.k.a. Master Splinter's daughter. And uh, so that that's, you know, pertinent. And then on To Pimp a Butterfly, it's him with a whole horde of people whom I assume are Comptonites. Um, outside the White House. Outside the White House. So that's pertinent. On Damn, it's interesting that it's a solitary picture that's, of just Kendrick Lamar. Um, I think that's also indicative of the themes of the album. Yeah. And so I think I don't think that it's a mistake at all. I think it's a deliberate choice, and I think it's a good one, but it's not as well executed huh. as I would like, but I wouldn't change it. That said, we're getting a little too hung up on the finer points here. Not even kidding, though. This is what we do. If the period wasn't cut off, it would be fine. It wouldn't be great, but it would be fine. Yeah. But why is that? <laughs> it might be like, to indicate uh, it's not complete. The end is cut off. The end, I, I don't know. It's circumcision. Just, it's like those memes. There's the meme page, things that are not aesthetic. <laughs> no, I heard it. I just chose to ignore it. We've no. devoured this cake. Holy Moses. We've had like a yeah. third. I don't know that I have that many more thoughts on it. Um, it's V good, boys and girls. It's like, there aren't really any songs that bother me. A couple of the things you said, I do agree with, like on, uh, what song did you say that was? That he was making the weird sounds? God. God. That's what got me and I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, yeah and as soon as that came on, when Adam and I were listening to the album, for the first time, I just started laughing uncontrollably and going, because <laughs> it just sounds weird. I don't yeah. know why. I also that. think that Duckworth is a fantastic ending track. I have not it's listened to it enough. Fantastic. fantastic. Uh, and one thing I love about my experiences with this album is I almost never start it without finishing it in the same sitting. And I think that may, has made it better in my mind also. So yeah, all that to say, it's a fantastic album. Just came out a couple weeks ago. Um... It's your life. Check out any of these albums. I don't think like you're doing it wrong if you check out any of them first. Yeah, but my whichever personal, one you think would appeal yeah, to you. My personal recommendation would be start with Damn and work backwards in increments of at least a couple weeks to let them digest. Unless you're really turned off by the whole Drake singing thing. But it's not that bad. Please, no, I would say try it, even if... Because well, you exaggerated yeah, too much. But, I mean, I did not exaggerate too much. It's, yeah. It is throughout the album. And I was thinking, too... I, I think I'd say David Bowie is my favorite artist of all time. Really? I huh. think so. But that's besides the point. My favorite era of his is the Berlin era. Yeah. When he recorded Heroes and stuff. And the Berlin trilogy of Heroes, um, Low, and uh, the other one. Station to Station to Station to Station Lodger. Yeah. I think. Is far inferior to, to yes. Kendrick's. Although I think Heroes is a better album than any of them. Really? I think so. I don't... I disagree. I think it's a much wow. cooler album. Huh. Interesting. But that's completely that's beside the point. I'm just saying, my favorite artist has not released a trilogy, a sequential trilogy, it's important to note, of albums that are as good as yeah. Kendrick's last three. I can't believe that These they're as good now? as they are. Yeah. I can't believe that they're so stylistically diverse. I can't believe that he's managed to... Speak on the same things while speak speaking on them differently. 
he's managed to cover the same thing in three totally oh. different creative ways. And it excites me because at this point I feel like I trust him implicitly, but I also feel like he needs to go somewhere else. I feel like this trilogy has been the perfect length, and I think that I'm really excited to see where he goes from here. It's like my favorite book series of all time, the Flavia Deleuze books. As I realize that they're coming to an end, I'm more and more excited for what he does next, even though I love his previous work, just because I know, like... Someone who's made something as great as these. His, can his, do it integ- again. his integrity is approaching being beyond reproach. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's excellent. I mean, it's you're really not going to find many people who disagree with that notion. Yeah. Um, I, and I'd just like to quickly before we end, I know that we've gone probably over what we should have, but you know, heck, that am we I try right? to keep it under like fifty-five minutes, but we don't. We don't ever really. Sorry, um, we're failures. Kendrick's like the f- rap fans who hate on Kendrick, they can go uh, suck a thumb. It's not you know rap; it's hip hop, though. Be- well, it's or not. people who say Kendrick's not even that good. Well, yeah. he is, and you're wrong. Yeah. And then, of course, there are the people who are just obsessed with Kendrick. They think he can do no wrong. Those people are annoying too. He yeah. can do wrong. His albums aren't perfect, but some of them are pretty darn close. Both both camps are frustrating. Don't don't. Don't sleep in either camp. Don't pitch a tent in either camp. No, don't do it. it. Yeah, both are irritating, juvenile, idiotic stances. Anyway, I feel like a tremendous burp is germinating within my body. Cut it before you burp. Well, actually, don't let it run. But... Oh. That brought up some things from my We past. talked about this unironically. I had a little fart there, too. P.S. I really love this. Uh, I like how we're just letting this episode just peter out. It's like a campfire. I assumed we were going to cut this and let it run, but whatever. <laughs> no. Okay. This is all staying in, man. So I guess then we should say that our recording software, we normally let it run for like a minute after we're done. So then our episodes normally peter out, but we cut it so it sounds better. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe this will get cut out too. But this <laughs> this picture that I posted is so dank with us. like. Although normally Although, both of us are in white uh, beaters. Us, but it's not us. Yeah. That that one dude does look a lot like you. Yeah, I know. I like the Has anybody liked that, that? Jonathan Caber is the only one. Oh, Johnny baby. Also at the end when I said of the our one thing. Also you like how I put in No oh, no, Randy just liked it. Oh really? Yeah. You like how I put in uh Randy. No, that's the other thing. Oh. So you like how I put in Good Shoot Brothership is making rad podcasts? That's a bold, bald-faced lie. Yeah. But, you know. And then the do? oxygen thieves, I looked up... Uh, the like, what? We're helpless oxygen thieves, is what I put at the end. Oh. In a spurt of unusual lack of creativity, I googled weird insults, and one of them was... Uh, <gasps> I just remembered Calling something. people oxygen thieves. Okay, so... Uh, well, oh, wait. No, 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 no. We're going to do... No, we're just going to add this right now. So, Ben, uh, just for you, hypothetical questions. No, is, gonna, is the episode going to go on this long? Like, we're not going to cut Jason, any of this? Yes, it is. Okay. It is going to go on this long because, you know what? This, oh, is, this is my The this Godfather. Is good. This is a good one. This is 35 hypothetical questions to ask a girl like Ben if you want to know him slash her on a deeper level. Okay, Ben, so uh, we need you to answer these and mail us. How many are we going to go through? All of them. No, we're not going to do that. We're... Uh, 
<laughs> we're <laughs> we're just gonna cherry pick for, some for, of the best ones. Okay. Um. Okay. So mail your uh, responses to these. Um. Okay. If you back, if if you could, this is a good one. If you could go back and relive one year from your childhood, which year would it be, and why? Um, I can't say. I know that it would be at the height of our collecting and trading and playing card collectible trading card games. Either the year I was seven, or the year I was ten. Because the year I or wait, wait, wait. Let me let me see if I got my math right, Jason. Uh. No, I would say either the year I was four, oh, man. Some of these are because the year I was four was when we still lived at Cloverdale and we were all homies, or the year I was 10, which was one of the first years we lived out here, and we were like crafting these weapons and living like a real life RPG. It was pretty sick. That was, we were so yeah. cool. So one of those two. Um, okay, uh, if you had to lose one of your five senses, which one would it be? Smell. Yeah. Who needs to smell? I know. People, that's, it should be aside from smell, because then it's more interesting. Smell is stupid. Then it's more interesting. And smell, some people, smelling stinks. <laughs> because then normally the next thing Okay, we is, don't need, okay, we can't, okay. we can't yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, ben, okay. if you, how do you, <laughs> I don't some? care at this okay, point. <laughs> if you could be an Olympic gold medalist, what sport would you want to be it in? And obviously, running. Because if you're a runner and you win, you get all sorts of contracts and deals. Or like swimming or something. Mm. I want something that I can earn money for the rest of my life when I'm a decrepit, miserable, drug-riddled man. You're one of those two things already. Yes. Uh, Okay. Uh, This is a great one. If you had the option of choosing between a chauffeur, a live-in chef, a personal stylist, a masseuse, and a round-the-clock assistant for the rest of your life at no cost to you, which option would you go with? Um, Here's not my question. A chauffeur. Here's my question. The live-in chef, the chauffeur, am I supplying a limousine and food ingredients? How about no? Because if I'm not, then or if I am, then that live-in chef's going to be making a lot of grilled cheese. Yeah. Here's the thing. The personal stylist, again... We have a bit of money. We don't have enough money to take advantage. Like the personal yeah, stylist is going to be a, like, That's yeah. actually a stupid one. Let's, so, let's ignore I would, that one. Well, I would say round the clock assistant. They could help me with school. Let's ignore it. Okay. Yeah. Aside from water, if you could only drink one beverage for the rest of your life, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, what would it Bet be? This! Bourbon. That's the only option. <laughs> Smashed all the time. <laughs> um, okay, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Kill it! We just got nothing left. Thanks, Roy!